0: This is Connor Owen with The Approach. Thanks for joining us this week. Today is another one of our bonus episodes. So right before Easter, John and I had a chance to sit down with our guest, Steve Deneff. You're going to learn a little bit more about him as we go through our episode. But we had a really candid conversation with Steve about culture, the next generation, and how we live out the story of Jesus in our lives. I think you're really going to enjoy today's episode. I know we had a great time recording it. Steve brings an expertise as somebody who has, he's just led the local church that he's been in for decades. And then John brings his expertise and his focus on the next generation. So I think as you listen, what I want to challenge you with is think of somebody you can share this with, because I think John and Steve have a lot of wisdom to share. That's going to help each of us as we live out the story of Jesus here on earth welcome to the approach a podcast where we help you walk with and pray for the next generation my name is connor owen as usual and i'm joined by john reinheimer hey And today's episode is going to be a little bit different. Like last month, this is another bonus episode, and we're really excited about our guest. Uh, Joining us today is Steve Deneff. Steve is the lead pastor of College Wesleyan Church in Marion, Indiana, which is where World Gospel Mission Headquarters is. He's also the author of several books, including Soul Shift and Whatever Became of Holiness, He's a leader, and he's a friend to many people. He's also my lead pastor and my neighbor, so he has to put up with me quite a bit. But welcome to the show, Steve. Thanks for taking
1: time. Thank you, Connor.
2: And we're all dying to know, are you, in fact, a Lions football
1: fan? I am, through and through. What Mm -hmm. has led to that? Original sin. (laughs) Original. Every day is a good Friday. <laughs> yeah.
2: Sunday's coming. No, no this, it actually no, is
0: There's a picture at the Bears-Lions game this year. and It's Steve, <laughs> his son Nick, and then their son-in-law Patrick. And Patrick's a Bears fan. Steve's got this big smile on his face. And Patrick's a Bears fan. He's kind of smiling. And Nick doesn't smile at all. He ever. And Nick, he's just staring at the camera. And I'm like, Nick knows what's coming here. This is not, he's like, this ain't going to go well.
1: Yeah. Why would I smile for this? You see, I mean, I've got this whole, I'm just glad to be here. Yeah. And Nick's got this. Yeah, I know
0: what's He's coming. like, this is bad. And <laughs>
1: Patrick's kind of smirking, like, we're going to take yeah, you guys. Yeah, we got this. It, yeah. It, but you know what? The bears are awful, too. Yeah, they it's bad. The last 60 seconds. Uh, after so it was the... kind of dumb versus dumber. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, Steve, as we get going today, let's start off with uh, what excites you most about the next generation or, or Gen Z?
1: several things actually one of them uh connor is the energy that they bring uh into the faith that they possess they're at the same time searching they are at that moment ready to give themselves to it um their authenticity um their questions uh, their honest doubt at times um They still believe in the power of words. Mm -hmm. They grew up using them or being hurt by them. So they still believe words matter and can move people. And as a speaker, um, that's kind of what I use a lot of. (laughs) So so they're very responsive to that. Um, I love their energy for social justice. I think they have touched a nerve in the church that has gone dormant mm. for a long time. Uh, and they've revived the need for that. Yeah.
0: So it's- yeah. When you talk about words they use, it's also think about stories. You talked a few weeks ago in your sermon about the difference between narrative and story, and you broke that down. I wonder if you could break that down here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Um, A narrative is like the chassis. Um, The narrative of any story is the underlying frame. It's the way that you tell a story. And the intention is to to hide it. So it's never evident when you're listening to the story. It's hidden under the details. You Mm. won't see it or hear it, unless you go looking for it. The story, on the other hand, are the details. Yeah. It's the players, it's the plot, it's the drama, the movement, the actions, the reactions, uh, all of that. It's th- those, the the components of a story lay over the top of the narrative. Um, and so, as you're listening to a story, you have to ask yourself, how is the story moving? Um, and what you find often is that there's really only a handful of narratives, but there's lots of different stories. Mm. When I talked about it in in the message that day, I talked about Hallmark. <laughs> I, I got some, a fair amount of pushback on that, <laughs> the, um, there's I mean there's hundreds of Hallmark movies, but there's one narrative. Yeah. And then there's hundreds of stories over the top of that. Yeah, All Hallmark yeah. stories are the same and they're predictable, you know? So and if, <laughs> if
0: you're spotting the narrative, you know, oh well, this story's gonna go
1: this yeah, way. Yeah, I think I know how this is gonna <laughs> end. And you're about three minutes in. Yeah. So if it I mean if it if it helps um alleviate some tension with your audience, the gospels are very much that same way. Mm. A lot of the stories in the Bible are exactly the same way. It's the story is different, but the narrative is exactly the same. Uh, and and once somebody tells you the narrative, mm. then you can read the story a little differently saying, okay, all right, now I'm starting to understand what's happening here. And yeah. I think that's how a lot of the stories in the Gospels are written.
0: Using the same narrative underneath. Same
1: them. narrative yeah. occurs again and again. And there's both a macro narrative. Yeah. There's one narrative narrative over the entire scripture that is then repeated in smaller loops throughout scripture.
2: Yeah. So maybe a quick example, like just a micro narrative of of the Gospels, how you see that played out. Yeah. uh,
1: One of the earliest ones is uh, the Exodus. It starts out with Israel is in a predicament. They're Mm -hmm. in bondage. Uh, They have not caused this. They didn't deserve this. This was done to them, yeah. but it's still a predicament, and they can't get out of it. And that's, that's, that's frequently replayed through stories in the Scripture. We're up against forces we cannot control. The next movement in that is that God comes along and makes a promise, generally in the form of a covenant yep. and generally in the form of an act. So in that story, it starts out with Israel in bondage, and then it goes from there into God's going to find a deliverer. His name is Moses. Moses then goes before the people, and um, they won't believe him. And that's the third movement in that narrative, is there's a moment when the people hear the promise of God. They believe it or they don't. And the future depends on that moment. Mm -hmm. Israel doesn't believe at first, but when they're standing by the Red Sea and the wind begins to blow, they start to wonder if something is (laughs) up, right? And before they know it, it's a full gale and the sea has parted and they go through it on dry ground. On the other side of the sea something new is born yeah. a nation um and that's the fourth part of this after yeah. god makes a promise and the people believe it then something new is possible mm. is birthed out of that belief yeah um and so that's that's um at least as i read the stories in the bible old and new testament yeah that's kind of the sequence there's a predicament followed by an announcement, or a covenant, or a significant act by God, He's yeah. going to deliver us, and that's followed by a moment of belief, like an awakening. Yeah. And once there's an awakening, the change has already begun. Then over time, or sometimes all at once, there's a there's a sudden and abrupt change and that's, something new. Yeah, is that's born.
2: that's really good. Uh, I think uh, our wives. Kind of critique us because we talk about narrative and stuff at home. They're like, no one's <laughs> gonna. Under- <laughs> can't you be more human? You know, like so that's really helpful. I yeah. think to our listeners to explain that and really helpful, tangible kind of put some handles on it. And you know, we were talking earlier uh, before we started recording about the speed, uh, the rate of change in the world today, especially yeah. with the next generation, Gen Z, um, yeah. Alpha already you know being yeah. born right yeah. now. But we'll stick to Z for right now.
1: Like I've read a little about Gen C, COVID generation. Oh, and right. That's not a. That's not a. A, a false. Um, label. That's a whole another.
2: Yeah, world, it's people. probably end up being like a subset of most of your Gen Z slash all the babies being born. What are they coming into? So yeah. part of that, probably subset alpha ish. You know, it's gonna be. Yeah,
0: it's gonna be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Tim um, Elmore calls them the pandemic population.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: He did a quick. He did a book on it actually, right in mm-hmm. the middle of the pandemic. Um, really interesting.
2: Yeah. That's yeah. That's yeah. dealing wow. more with the students and kind of like you're talking about, like <clears throat> all the stuff they didn't, all the rites of passage they didn't experience, whether college or high school or all that. Whereas like the kids being born during this time period, it's definitely a shift. Huge. Uh, <clears throat> you know, very similar to like a 911 shift, or you know. World War II kind of Pearl Harbor ish, yeah. you know, like you do things very differently now as a yeah. civilization, right?
1: If the if Gen Z is that wide of a swath, um, I'm I'm wondering if it's if it's going to be pretty hard to paint them in one stereotype because a lot of like, for instance, the love of technology, which would be just really deep in mm-hmm. the older mm-hmm. part of that, yeah, the next generation is actually putting that down they're going off of social mm-hmm. media right they're they're not if they're using phones at all they're using flip phones and mm. track phones or you know anything they can get rid of so
2: it's yeah you do see those kind of like pendulum swings yeah. um yeah well i can i can talk about this all day this could be yeah. another <laughs> yeah. no it's super i think you're right like even millennials there was a pretty big divide the first time in a long time of, like, almost two generations inside of one. Yeah. Very different. Yeah. And Gen Z, I mean, arguably could see three or four subsets. Yeah. Because of the rate of change is you're, like, describing. Yep. And so that makes it really tough as parenting or anything in leadership. It's like the way you're 21, the way you, like, parent or lead your 21-year-old to your 14-year-old to your 10-year-old could all be drastically different of what they've gone through and experienced, right? Yep. Again, different. Well, the narrative probably be the same, but the stories they're experiencing and the colloquialisms or whatever technology they're exposed to could be super different. So it's like, uh, so it's a so wild time.
1: It's getting harder and harder to pin that down now, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Yeah, you can't just make these blanket. From five thousand feet, you got to go up to thirty thousand almost to even get your mind around something that yeah that's moving. I think in the college campus, the generations are reinventing themselves about every three or four years now. Yeah. About the time the freshmen are ready to graduate, um, the new ones coming in are in a totally different place yeah and where i mean where i see it in speaking to them is what's what they what they respond to and how they respond what they laugh at and they don't think is funny yeah what the what the nerves are you know they get hurt and offended by different things every three or four years you're like sheesh so what was cool two or three years ago could get you killed today, you know, as a speaker.
2: And in that speed, um, you know, the Barna Research tells us only 4% of, of Gen Zers are having a biblical worldview, arguably narrative, uh, understanding there. I know there's debates academically on all that, but I'll use them interchangeably right now. So if the only 4% have a biblical worldview, what do you think of the narrative that this next generation what are they what are they listening to? What is what's the narrative they're succumbed to or they're being hit with the most, would you say?
1: Can I um, can I like back away from the question, maybe sure. answer it a little differently? Because again, I yeah. have I don't in spite of the fact that I have five generations in front of me every Sunday <laughs> in the same room. <laughs> um, I I'm less concerned about the characteristics of each generation and I'm more concerned about human nature in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think my short answer to that would be I in targeting Gen Z, I don't think I would start with their with their unique characteristics. I would start with their humanity. Mm-hmm. And I would say whatever generation they are the problems that plague humanity are about the same.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: They have different expressions, to be sure, sure because sure. people chase those problems with different ways to satisfy them. But the problem itself, the predicament itself, yep. is not that different from one generation to the next. Yeah, that's good. Those problems are bondage or addiction,
2: mm-hmm.
1: isolation or alienation or mm. separation, kind of hostility toward each other. Um, there's, a, there's a sense of um, kind of a confusion, a moral confusion that plagues humanity and has for centuries, um, where people try to make decisions that they think are the right ones, but they always lead to problems. Um, uh, Again, what's changing is the vice or what we get into, but the drive and the hunger is still there. The problem is whenever I do what I want, why don't I like what I get? (laughs) And that's thousands of years old. Yeah. Uh, So in reaching any generation, I think I would target more. The part of their humanity that is struggling now, and less with what they're chasing.
2: That's really helpful. Um, So, I mean, I guess so is the secular narrative, it hasn't changed. No. Right? That's the same core over and over and over. What's changing then is the stories and how it's dressed up, the players, the characters. But the vices are the same. The story arc, if you will, is the same.
1: Yeah, a couple weeks it's ago. It's all Hallmark. It's all. <laughs> <laughs> With a much better ending, I hope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about the the conflict between toil, the, which is the sense of... um. I'm, I, it just feels to me like I'm working so hard in my life and I'm not mm. getting any traction and, and my horizons are are too low and I'm frustrated and everything I do is too hard. Mm. Uh, and um, that's a human predicament that looks different in every generation, mm-hmm. but it's the same basic predicament. Yeah. Despair is another one where we come to the end of things and just go, there is no point hoping any longer I can't find a reason and when you're in that place you don't it's strange you don't want things to get better again that's a basic human predicament um that takes different expressions from one generation to the next but it's the it's the same yeah it's the same humanity so
2: and feel free to push back on this as well which is part of the conversation (laughs) uh so why you know the biblical narrative hasn't changed, the gospel hasn't changed. the secular narrative still is the same. What has changed, I think arguably is the speed, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And so for a generation or you know generation grow- this is all they've known and so the rest of the generations are going, well yeah, that look that seems familiar yet boy, the rate of it. So how how does that speed of her, like how is this generation supposed to respond to a gospel narrative when they're used to the immediacy, the speed, the um does that make sense? Like yeah. how you know, because God doesn't, you know, respond, you know, with TikTok sound bites, you know, short clips, immediate responses always or maybe ever, you know? <laughs> um so does that make sense? Like, how how do you mesh those together in your with your experience?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, most of the miracles that happen in the Old or New Testament are sudden. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so we kind of get our our expectations are set by that. God mm-hmm. is going to part everything for me like he did the sea. He's going to mm-hmm. make it rain like he did for Elijah. Um, but most of life doesn't move at that speed. Yeah, um, it, it, I'm wondering if the best way to um, convert or work with that generation is, is a full immersion in the body of Christ. Mm. Um, Again, this may go in a different direction than, than I had anticipated, but um, I have a new appreciation for the power of the body of Christ to convert people. Mm. Um, The, Jesus and gospel are not products to be consumed, to make one's life better. Um, They are the power of God Hmm. unto salvation, and that power is embodied in a living community. Hmm. How that helps in the speed process is, I think if a person is immersed in a healthy body, they can absorb... a. Uh, things at a slower pace Hmm. if i'm surrounded by people that are with me in the struggle yeah then then i may have more patience when things aren't changing at the speed i want Mm -hmm. as long as i'm in this journey with somebody i i think i might i might be willing willing to stay
2: yeah that's it really makes you think about, so maybe it's just kind of flipping, flipping the script, if you will, on where does the immediacy lie? Yeah. Instead of wanting, you know, God, I need you to do this Miracle Burning Bush moment. That's what immediacy is. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. What could be immediate is I've got these brothers and sisters around me and I can have, quote unquote, immediate access to them. I can I walk with them now, right here, right now uh older, wiser, in in the flesh embodied body of Christ. And that's where some of the immediacy is helping me say, hey, this is actually a normal part of growing and walking uh in this world. Um I don't know.
1: And let's <clears throat> let's be clear about the direction of this if when we come to Christ it it's not well I worry when when people um go into the conversion process asking what god or christ is going to do for them mm-hmm. yeah the arrows are all pointing from him to me and that's exactly the problem isn't it if if we go into this encounter with christ in another way and just say uh, this really isn't about my life that much at all mm-hmm. Um, It's more about His. So I'm not asking how does Jesus apply to me. I'm asking how do I figure my life out in the context of His. Paul said in Colossians, And when Christ, who is your life, shall appear, you will also appear with Him in glory. We have no life Mm -hmm. apart from Christ. So when people come to Christ, again, as almost a product to be consumed... To make my life better, so what? So I can have it back again? Mm-hmm. Uh, the the terms of that relationship are flawed from the <laughs> beginning. So part of it isn't in, in the presentation of the gospel. We're asking a person to put down their lives for something that is larger than their lives. If you lose yourself, you'll find yourself. Yeah. But if you keep looking for yourself, you will lose yourself.
2: Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, so kind of on that, you're already going down, but give us a little bit more. Um, I heard you preach the Proverbs twenty five twenty five: like cool water to a weary soul is good news uh, from a foreign land. Connect those dots a little bit more for us, for this next generation. What is like you said, even we just sometimes flippantly say these words about presenting Jesus someone. And we don't mean to make it sound like all about them, but we just did. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so being intentional with that, what is the good news? What is cool water? does that look like for this next generation? How can we come around them and make sure we are being intentional with the gospel narrative, with the way we're setting it up, uh, I'm sure you've heard this. You know what you what you win people with is what you win them to. Yeah. So, yeah. not just doing it flippantly. So we say, "Oh man, that's great." I let someone to the Lord, or conversion numbers, or baptism numbers, or whatever. But here's a genuine follower, surrender their life. They're living in Christ, not just treating them like a commodity or a consumer. Um, yeah. Can you help us unpack that a little bit
1: more? Um, so, uh, let me take one of the. One of the conditions, which I think is is pretty pretty strong in next in that generation, mm-hmm. is the is the condition of hostility, mm-hmm. um, alienation, uh, division, because that's the world they've grown up in, mm-hmm. and that is the that's the story, actually the narrative that they've been told again and again and again. Um, There is something about you that is different, maybe inferior, and you're being held off over and against the rest of society. It might be your sexuality. It might be your race. It might be your gender. It might be your um, limitations. There's something about you that is different and they don't like you. Mm. Um, This generation um, is, is growing up, I think, sensing that they are alone 60 about I think I read 63% of people in America today feel that they're a minority. So the question is where does that narrative come from? How is it that we have created a society wherein everyone feels there is power in minority status? So by by claiming that then I can I can see myself as different from somebody else. Mm. And in some cases, there's hostility there between me and the ones that are doing this to me. Mm. The gospel is that Christ has torn down the wall of hostility between the two. Mm. yeah, And he has reconciled people with vast differences in his own body and made them one. And he said to people that are religious, peace. And he has said to people that feel like they are irreligious, far outside of church, peace. Hmm. And created in himself one person out of two. That's gospel.
2: Hmm.
1: There is someone who is pulling the world together by getting his arms around people that are fighting and in hostility. People of different races, different ethnicities, different backgrounds, nationalities, different ideologies. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, some of the stats that I've seen that have intrigued me is that um, to the question, I prefer to worship with people of my own ideology. The younger you are, the more likely you are to want that. Mm-hmm. So, the new wall of division is not race, believe it or not, it's ideology. Mm-hmm. Two people that are united over ideology from different races are closer than two people of the same race with different ideologies.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But there's still hostility. We're still driving people apart. We're just using a different wedge. So to come around that and say, whatever your convictions are, keep them, hold on to them, and be distinct from one another. But come together in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Here is a person that is bigger than all of us. Mm. With a dream for this world already begun, uh, that not only values your distinctiveness, but needs your distinctiveness. It is, it is complementary to other people's distinctions. Hmm. By being who you are, the rest of us are better. And so are you when we remain who we are in Christ. That's gospel to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was watching a Eugene Peterson interview and he says, similar to that, he says, uh, I'm happy with who I am. I'm Eugene and I'm not trying to be anybody else. And I feel pretty comfortable in that. And here's this, I don't know, he's probably in his 80s at this point. And you can just tell he's very comfortable in who God made him to be. Not in a I'm better than, but. This is me living in that. Yeah. And reflecting the image of God in that. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think the key phrase in that was the in Christ part. Yeah. Yeah. Because right. a lot
2: of people say, well, this is me. Deal. Right. Or right. Deal with it. The key qualifier, followers, followers of Jesus is it's in Christ, which obviously is transformational um, and, and the key for that for sure. But,
1: Do you remember you know. in. Philippians chapter three, Paul says, so I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. In other words, on the day Christ took hold of me, he had something in his mind. Hmm. There was an image that he had of me in his mind on the day he took hold of me. Hmm. There was a picture on his fridge. Hmm. So to be in Christ is to learn how to live into that picture. Mm.
2: I love that. Just think about the picture, the vision he has for our lives. And it's good. And yeah.
1: And what makes sin terrible? I had this conversation with the Lord this morning <laughs> <laughs> where we were talking about something that I was that I was struggling with in my in the last week. There's just been some, you know, some struggles in my mind and some relationships that are in the church that are happening. <clears throat> and it was it was um, it was like causing emotion, you know, mm. to sort of rise up. And then I started talking to myself. And when you do that, you listen to yourself and then you <laughs> believe yourself, you know? And what I heard, I think, this morning was the trouble with this, Steve, is not, is not, is not that it is sin. The trouble is that it is unbecoming of you. Mm. That is not who you are designed to be. You are so mm. much better when you don't have that on. Mm. And that to me is is gospel to a culture that is in hostility and and each person is fighting to protect their turf, feeling like if the other side wins, they've lost something because in this culture uh, people that lose arguments are always victims. So to to be able to lose, um, and and to to find Christ in your losses as one who still belongs to you there, um, I think is is marvelous news. Can you hear it, or, or <laughs> I see you I see He's you smiling.
0: smiling. <laughs> You've used an illustration before, Steve, about mic drop moments. And how every, every TV show is, it builds and it builds to the conflict. And then there's this moment where the two characters get in the same room and the one just lets go of everything. And then they walk out. Um, Yeah. And that's, I think, playing to the uniqueness we all want to have, but it's not in Christ and it's not becoming of the image he has of
1: us. Yeah, yeah. Philippians 2, Let each of you look onto the interests of others, right, as more important than yourself, right. And that's actually from the original language. The English have softened that because right. it doesn't feel American enough. But what <laughs> Jesus actually said was, no, you elevate other people above yourself. Yeah. So you don't you don't do your mic drop and and you know make that last final statement and then mm-hmm. kind of walk off the stage. Um, you stay in it. You stay in the argument with people for yeah. years, but you stay with them, um, which, again, goes back to the whole community thing. Mm-hmm. I think if, if, if we found churches and communities that were not like us and we forced ourselves to stay in communities like that, we would have to learn the the qualities of Christ just to survive in a community Mm. like Mm. like like that. It's because we can leave it and find our own, um, that sometimes makes it just too easy.
2: It just reminds you so much again, like of how Jesus, so many times, the Pharisees try to corner Jesus. Is it you know who sinned, this guy or his parents? and so who loses right Mm. who's the victim and what does Jesus say it's neither (laughs) and so it kind of reminds me of like we're so used to uh, it's not just used to we are encouraged to uh, on your phone on your news feed in your life everything you subscribe to is to be your wants your desire back to the self listen to your favorite teams, your favorite news people, your favorite people you want to follow. So it's everyone reinforcing the ideology that I already have. So I get more of it, which I think is somehow unifying, but is actually removing me from other parts of the body, and I'm atrophying.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think if, if, if you've been a Christian a while and— and Jesus has not offended you lately, then mm. you're probably misreading the Scripture. He's mm. an equal opportunity offender. <laughs> he says things that are shocking, and he seems not to care. <laughs> he ju- People walk away mad. I used mm-hmm. one Sunday where, you're, where do you get this authority? He says, John's baptism, where does that come from, heaven or men? And they confer amongst themselves and say, if we say from heaven, he'll say, why didn't you believe him? If we say from men, the crowd's going to be on us like lies on a dead dog. So they turn around and say to Jesus, we don't know. He says, well, then neither will I tell you where my power comes from. And the conversation's over. And you can see the Pharisees standing there going, we're offended. You know, he's like, what do you want me to do? (laughs) John. Change the way things are so you're not offended. Yeah. So he constantly he offends he offends me. I said. <laughs> I, I just texted somebody, I think in the car while you guys were pulling up. I said, um, they were talking about the message last Sunday about the the how the loss of power anyway, right? Yeah. And I just said, this is this is part of Jesus that that um, I find wildly offensive. <laughs> <Just It laughs> to have all of that power and to
0: not use it, to like not I think you use should. It.
1: I'm like, man. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'd love to
2: hear you preach uh, Malicus's ear. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I heard Dr. Kidlaw talk about that oh, a couple times. Oh, um I wish I could have heard that. I, I just. Yeah, just, this Holy Week, I've been going back through that. What an odd thing, or seemingly at first glance, to include in the Holy Week narrative or story.
1: Kinlaw Law would have pointed that out. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I didn't come up with that on my own, clearly. <laughs> 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 but it's just like, what, a, bet the power, right? Put away the sword. Yeah, what's the secular narrative say? Yep. No, you got this coming to you, right? Yeah. Yep. Just leave the year on the ground, man. You're going to be probably deaf the rest of your life. And yep. one more, I have all the power. I'll hear the guy, I'm gonna heal the guy's ear, right? Yep. And I'm still gonna let you take me to the cross. Yep.
1: Pilate says to him, Don't you know I have the power to either crucify you or set you free? I'm thinking, if you were packing that kind of power, cu-
2: <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about power? <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: right. Yeah, it's just incredible. But but therein is that is the mystery of the crucifixion and hmm. the, the gospel to people today who are disempowered. And there are millions of them in things as micro as marriages mm-hmm. or jobs where they're being run over and abused and in things as vast as privilege and race. There are people that are disempowered. Uh, and the gospel to those people is that Christ is in that disempowerment. It, the conqueror in Revelation is a slaughtered lamb. The contest at the end of time is between a slaughtered lamb and a dragon. And the slaughtered lamb wins. Hmm. Hmm. The throne in Revelation 5 is not a seat. It's a cross.
2: Hmm. Hmm.
1: That's a funny throne. Hmm. So while he's dying, we think he's losing And he's winning. He's taking his seat of powerlessness on a throne. He's not biding time for Easter. (laughs) He is stripping himself of all vestments of power. And if you've been disempowered by by people in this world, can you not find resonance in that? Is that not your man? (laughs) Is that not who you want? i've been there man i you there there must be times in you guys life when yeah. that's been when that's been true right i mean when well, you're you're out of options and you're and you're out of hope and the only thing you get from jesus is yeah me too yeah mm. says i've been there yeah mm. and, and yeah and what you learn in that moment i was just talking to a guy about this i said he lost his dad, and and uh, I I said when I lost my sister, um, I realized in that moment because well, I was having at it with God again. You know, you could have stopped this. There's a lot of things that you could have done. Mm-hmm. I Th- Then it occurred to me one day I got nothing to teach him when it mm-hmm. comes to this. I have nothing. To teach him when it comes to suffering, yeah. And and so I was praying for solutions, and I was praying for miracles. And what I ended up getting that day was just company, hmm. and that's gospel.
0: Well, Steve, we're we're thankful you've taken the time to join us. Uh, we know you have a tight schedule, so we're we've loved this conversation. We hope you have too. As we kind of wrap things up, we'd love if you take some time to pray over uh, those of us walking with the next generation. Yeah. That could be you. You have grandkids. Uh, it could be me as a dad. It could be parents, teachers, coaches, and then also um, praying for that next generation as they walk with Jesus and uh, find their story inside of His. So we'd love if you take it, take some time and, and lead us in
1: that. Father, first I thank <clears throat> you for the privilege of of living with ministering to the next generation i thank you for the the talent and the abilities that you have given them the passion for christ that you have given them what i ask for for us who are in positions now that that are near them is that you would help us to steward those positions well so that when they work with us or if they answer to us, if they hear from us, they will see you. I pray that you would make our families strong, our Mm -hmm. communities strong, so that what they want to become someday, uh, we are. I pray you would make us doers of the word, not just preachers of it. You have enough of those. So for their sake, we give you ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for joining us, Steve. We really appreciate it. Uh, This has been a good time. Thanks, John, for joining as well. And thanks to all of our listeners for joining us as we pray for and walk with the next generation as they seek to use their gifts and talents and experiences to journey with Jesus and participate in the Great Commission. Thanks for sharing the approach with others and rating and reviewing it as this helps others find the podcast. For some of our resources, you can check out our show notes on our website at wgm.org forward slash podcast.